Hi, we're Katie, Jessica, and Shannon, and this is Boy Problems Podcast, a community focused on supporting families navigating substance use disorder. We hope sharing our stories, introducing you to experts, and answering all the questions you have no one else to ask will help you better navigate your story. Through our partners' recoveries, we found each other and formed our own squad, one we know is so valuable to how we manage this disease in our relationships. So we started bringing a microphone to our hangouts to extend our conversations to others just like us. When you're here, you're not alone. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining us for our virtual support group. For details, visit recovering2.com. We know what you're going through, and we're here to help. We're recovering, too. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. In today's episode, we are finishing our interview with Katie. So we have been taking turns interviewing each other on our life's journey uh, with our partner through addiction. Um, It's a way to kind of bring all of our stories together in one place. So in our last episode, um, Katie covered from the time she met Kimmin up until right before he went to rehab. So if you missed that episode, um, you'll want to go listen to that one first. It's episode 80, Katie's Story Part 1. And today we are getting into um, part two where Kimmin goes to rehab and then Katie shares uh, what life has been like for them since that time. So uh, let's get into it. So yeah, life at home was bad. It was really bad. We weren't talking. We weren't having sex. Nothing. And this is like our first three years of marriage. And you still didn't know. So what were you attributing all this to? Like it, because he's not working nights now. So he's not just like tired. So in your mind, like what's the rationale for this behavior? He doesn't like me. I'm a Mm -hmm. bad wife. I'm not in a good relationship. Like we're just not a match anymore. Mm -hmm. Or did the same thing. Were you starting? So you mentioned that like before you got married, you thought, well, we can always just like get divorced, give this a whirl. So did divorce come up for you at this point and were you starting to think like it's time to leave yeah and why 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 not why didn't you okay so I come home and I find him foaming from the nose and mouth we're in the ICU for a few days um big huge scene really scary moments away from death like I mean the foam was like past his shoulders and shit he just looked wild um I see you I'm like what's going on we're we're walking out of the hospital and he's like babe I think I might have a problem with drugs like okay all right well how can we work through this and that's all he said and really I never pressed it much more than that 
because I think it was like 10 days and we're back in the ICU. And then I'm like, okay, something's going on. Something's happening. Again, in this short window of time, there's like five car accidents. Like it's really crazy. So then he gets in a car wreck with a semi and goes to jail. And then, and then that, oh no, that second ICU time, again, there was other calls to 911 where he's like yelling at me in front of the 911 guys and telling them to get the fuck out of our house. And um, they're like, ma'am, we can't, he's refusing care. Like, I mean, he is like, <laughs> he's out of it, but he is awake enough to tell them to get the fuck out of my house. And I'm just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. They can't do anything for me and they just leave. Um, and so that time, that last time that, um, he was yelling at me in front of the, um, 911 guys, I called his sister. I called my friend in Ohio. I said, I'm coming. I started to pack my bags. I called his sister and I said, come over here. He can't be by himself. Um, oh, I found him at a gas station. He didn't come back forever. And I, I don't track him, right? I found him at a gas station. He was passed out at the pump in a rental car, like this brand new 2013, whatever char- Dodge Charger, right? He had this beautiful car <laughs> because he wrecked all the other ones. But whatever. I said, sister, come fucking get this motherfucker. And she's like, okay. Anyway, so I'm, my bags are packed. I'm ready to go to Cincinnati. Um, and his sister is tough. She's like, I love her, but they're like all enablers. Like they love him, you know, obviously. Cause it's her. anyway, she had figured out he had taken 48 pills in two days. Like he had just gotten all his prescriptions. <clears throat> and then she's like, you know, we really need to take him to the hospital. And I'm like, oh. so that's when we got, he got admitted. Cause he was yelling at both of us, but he was nodding out so much that we got him physically in a car and the hospital's only like two minutes away. Um, he, uh, and then we, I dropped them off at the ER front doors and I go park and I can see, and I can hear him yelling at her outside of the ER doors. And when I come up, you're ruining my fucking life. I don't know why you're doing this to me. Like all these things to me where the cop comes out and he's like, sir, if you don't get in, I'm going to arrest you anyway. So the, you know, front techs take his, his blood oxygen level. Cause his blood oxygen level at that last time was like at 50 or some shit. It was, it was in the low seventies or eighties, something like that. So he had to be admitted to the ICU again. And, um, that's when it was like, something is up. And then, then then right after he got out of the ICU, he got in the wreck with the semi, went to jail and he said, okay, I'll go. I need to go get help. I can't do this by myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there's so many other stories in between there. That's the thing. Like, as I'm telling you these stories, there's like so many others like scattered in there. And again, I still knew nothing. Like I saw him snort a line of something white. I came home, he's passed out. There's a line of something white on a TV tray. And I came home and I was like, what the fuck is this? And he was like, it's Tylenol because it gets to your head faster. And I watched him snort this probably heroin or pills, whatever the fuck it was. And, <laughs> and I believe that it was Tylenol because it makes sense, right? It's crushed up so it can get into your blood system faster because it doesn't have to like, your stomach doesn't have to break down the pill. It makes sense. So we're not recommending that for anyone. No, <laughs> don't, don't, do that. no don't do that. 
So, oh, so. okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so you were about to leave. Marriage. No, yeah, I'm about to leave. Packed up for Ohio, and then and then I had to go now to ICU because, yeah. And now he's in rehab. And from there, it kind of really is a happy story for him. Well, he refuses uh, rehab at first. He refuses it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, so maybe I don't. This was short lived, though, right? Very short lived. Yeah. Refuses to go. They said oh, they're telling me, ma'am, he is a heavy drug user. I'm like, he's not a heavy drug user. They're like, he's fucked out of his mind right now because you know they separate you or they they separated mm-hmm. us. Ma'am, he he is he's bad. He is a heavy drug user, and I'm Who like, no. This, who's telling you this? Were you guys access? After? Okay, so you, because after the semi thing, he said he's willing to get help. So you take him at some point to the rehab center, and you're Correct. going through the access problem. They have you separated. Correct. And they're telling you he's a heavy drug user, and you're and like, I'm saying, no, no. he's not. <laughs> no, I'm saying no. And anyway, and looking back, he was fucked out of his mind. I mean, he, he couldn't even hardly talk in this access thing, which is why they separated us because I kept talking for him. Right. <laughs> anyway. So they're like, okay, he, we can't, we we're not taking him. If he doesn't go into full rehab, like if he doesn't get admitted this moment, we're not taking him. And I'm like, oh my God, please take him. And so they gave us a recommendation of a doctor that if he could get on Suboxone for 10 some odd days, they'll take him. Thankfully he, he does, he gets, um, he gets with that doctor, um, man, all these stories are overlapping. He gets with that doctor. He gets on Suboxone. Also though, because don't they, before you can get on Suboxone, don't they usually make you be clean off of all drugs for a few days? Or is that just with, or that's just with Vivitrol? Vivitrol, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can can just start using Suboxone if you've been okay I, I think so because so. yeah because he was taking suboxone because he knew, knew what it was he was oh, taking okay. it when he couldn't find his drugs because he was buying suboxone off the street gotcha okay. yeah so um anyway so we go we I get an appointment back with access and I'm nervous the whole time because at this point I'm like he does have a drug problem <laughs> and then I didn't um Oh yeah. Because I would go to his work. Oh my God. Um, so, okay. So he has a drug problem. He gets on Suboxone and he's refusing. He, they still say you need to be admitted to treatment. He says, no. Um, he only will agree to intensive outpatient, um, from like the six to nine, three days a week, um, because he didn't want to affect his work. So the, so I think the, the treatment that they were recommending for him was probably detox. Like inpatient where you're there locked down you're going through detox all of that for like you know a week 10 days whatever it may be Um, and then the IOP the three like that's like a very limited amount of treatment that usually what's what's that step in between what did Casey do uh, PHP the partial hospitalization like where you're there Monday through Friday from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. but then you go home and come back the next day right yeah he refused all of that and and we had to be in access a long time that second time because they were refusing to take him because he was on suboxone and we were like we were here just a few days ago and you told us to get on suboxone and we're on suboxone and you won't take us so there was a fight there but they did take us um and i'm very thankful that his insurance um 
has, he has very good insurance um, and it covers um, this treat IOP. And so um, he was able to do the whole thing, which then to Jessica's point, yes, um, he gets clean. And now thankfully he's been clean for six and a half years. There was a couple little relapses um, at the beginning, but that was like within months of whatever. Um, but he's been clean ever since. Which, so I guess I just forgot because that's interesting. So Kimmon never went into detox then. Like I know he refused it initially, but then he never. So he basically got clean from IOP, which I think Correct. is kind of an interesting piece of the story because sometimes there's a misconception that, you know, there's only, it's only possible to get clean from detox or rehab or whatever it might be, but no, it is possible (laughs) in other ways. Yeah. Um, then you talked about some relapses. There was one relapse though, that happened like right before you found out you're pregnant, right? Do you want (laughs) to tell us about the pregnancy? Um, uh, again, haven't had sex in a couple years. Um, uh, went out for a new year's with, uh, Jessica, well, you were there. Oh no, she didn't this year. You weren't there. Um, with, we had plans with, uh, Jessica and Casey. Um, Casey was actually in jail then. And anyways, we had a good time and Jessica and I had like two beers at like Scotty's or whatever. And like, there was this wonderful drama from these like teenagers. And anyway, so, you know, I'm having a good night, right? It's like, my husband's clean. I'm with my friend. Unfortunately, the husband's in jail, but we're still having a good time. And, you know, we get to see the indie car drop, you know, whatever. And, um, the night, oh my God, Jessica, no, we walked all the way to your Piccadilly. apartment. Yeah. yeah. That's why you could so- it's so funny because uh, we were celebrating New Year's like the we saw this car drop right outside of this downtown and we were hanging out on the street and right behind us is the jail where Casey is. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a lot of this is funny, but that was really funny. Yes. So, anyways. Nope. It was very funny. Um, yeah, we, we went really to a Pacers game. Yes, we walked a very far away. Um, on the other side of downtown at the time and we walked the whole way yeah yeah in January in Indiana but it wasn't it was cold but it was doable and we were kind of drunk so it was fine yeah it was fine yeah it was fine so get home do what adults do and then I'm like man because it felt weird right because we hadn't had sex in two years it's like I don't even know who this person is but I was like kind of drunk and I'm like well shit let's just try and um it took the um morning after pill and then I'm pregnant yeah okay so this this is I mean yeah congrats yeah you're pregnant but there is a big question I have for you which is like you were ready to get divorced Mm -hmm. mentally prepared to leave and then he goes into rehab all these things that you just mentioned happen quickly at what point did you decide like okay I'm not going to leave and I'm going to have a baby like that all happens very quickly so like what is your train of thought where are you in the relationship or are you just like doing what you're doing just going with the plan like just going with it like what is your mentality at this point yeah so a little bit of both um so somebody and you I know you guys are gonna correct me on this somebody in our group support meetings because I had met you guys at this point said do not make any 
big life decisions within the first year. So I, I grabbed that and was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything, make any huge relationship or, um, you know, move out of our house or whatever it may be within the first year. Um, you guys say that Katie, that's only meant for the addict. And <laughs> I agree with you, but I had held on to that and that's what I was sticking with. Yeah. And that, so uh, that phrase, I think it comes out of like the program, like in NA mm-hmm. and AA, they, and, and it, it, even in treatment and things, they tell them like, cause they're brain is so messed 100%. up from bringing on drugs. So they're like, you need to give yourself some time to like heal and then you can make decisions. Um, but yes, you took that and ran with it for yourself. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and, um, again, there he, he was, again, when we first started dating, he was so sweet, so kind, so nice. There was glimpses of that coming back. And so they told the experts told me, don't do anything for a year. So I didn't, there was glimpses of him coming back. Um, and again, I just go with the flow. Like, again, nobody knows he's an addict at this point. Everything is hidden at this point. I haven't even told my family, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, yep. So then I, and then I vividly remember, I remember thinking like, man, uh, and I love and care for my daughter. So I don't know if she'll ever listen to this episode, but I, you know, I had considered, you know, should I terminate this pregnancy? I don't know where my life is going. If this thing inside of me is going to have a dad, is he going to die? And so at that time I had a traveling job because I just needed to get the fuck away from him. And so I was gone five days a week (laughs) and um, I remember coming back and I was sitting on, uh, the 69 ramp to turn my house. Some song had come on and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, and I told him I didn't, he, he, he let me have the decision if I wanted to terminate the pregnancy or not. He's like, I understand why you wouldn't want to move forward. Um, and I decided that I could do it myself. And so that's why I decided to keep my, um, keep my, baby. And, uh, when I found out I was pregnant again, I was in Ohio. Cause I was like living at a hotel in Ohio for months and months and months. And I called my friend and I'm like, dude, my boobs hurt. And she was like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, come to my house. So I drove like an hour and a half out of my way from Ohio to her. And I took one of her extra tests because she was actively getting pregnant with her husband. And, uh, I took it. It was the, one of the worst feelings I've ever had in my life. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I was sobbing and I just was on her floor and she was crying with me because she, she knew, she knew it was wild. Yeah. Well, and it was a complicating factor was that he had just relapsed. Correct. Maybe a month before. So, you know, you're, there's that time leading up where you're like, okay, I'm seeing glimpses. Things are, there's change, there's positive. And I remember you've talked about how you were like, so afraid of relapse. And then that happened, which shows you like, Hey, this is possible. It could keep happening. You know, it doesn't, it just doesn't make you feel very secure on like, what is, what do things look like moving forward? And so then to find out you're pregnant, it's a, a lot of emotions there. Yeah. Had I known maybe both of you at that point, didn't really know you guys that well. And, and on our part, well, like Jessica Casey was on the same like recovery path as Kim and, um, had I known 
like like that Casey, you know, he had a bunch of relapses and you were like the closest story I knew to who we were. I don't know if I would have moved forward because that, I mean, that's scary. Mm -hmm. It is. I mean, I can relate to that (laughs) feeling of like when you get pregnant and you're not happy, you know, and you're like, why am I bringing someone into this? You know, who might not have a dad? I, that night I found out I was pregnant. I took like six pregnancy tests and was like scanning it with an infrared like app like just to be sure because I didn't want it to be true and then I was up and Katie had just had her baby so she was up it was like 4 a.m and I was like are you awake I'm pregnant and it was like not a happy thing it was just like I don't know what I'm doing why I'm doing it like how this is gonna go it's such a strange feeling to like I don't know. It's like a next level of commitment because, you know, I feel like I can handle whatever, but then to put a baby in it, it's like, well, what am I doing? So I just, I can relate to that feeling a lot, but yours is a happy story. It keeps, you know, I was going to say, there's been um, a lot of unhappiness in your, your relationship up until this point. And then even finding out that you're pregnant at what point does it shift like in your story to like where things are happier times? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, my daughter had colic. I know my daughter had colic. And so, you know, for the first uh, seven months, she just didn't stop screaming and he was new in recovery. So he was going to six meetings a week. And so, um, you know, the greatest thing was I got pregnant because I tried to control everything he did. The greatest thing I got pregnant. I couldn't deal with him anymore. You relapse, you do your thing. I don't care. I have to worry about my body. My hair was falling out. I hadn't had a period for years because I was so stressed out. And so, um, all these bad health things were happening for me because I was extremely stressed out. I had a stressful home life and a stressful work life. And so I was like, I I have to take care of myself. And so that for me was probably most freeing was like, you, you do you, I cannot, I cannot care about you. You, you recover. You don't, it does not affect me because I am, I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to take it, take care of this little thing. And so so that was a really wonderful feeling. Um, and then probably when my daughter was one and like, you know, you're out of the new parent thing and life isn't weird. And she stopped screaming. Thankfully he's a year. So I'm in recovery at that point. Um, that's when it started to get good. He has always wanted to be a dad. Like since the moment I met him, he could not wait to be a dad. And so this was something that finally, um, he did. Um, but I, I do want to say like, don't have a baby because it's going to keep your person sober because he says all the time he would have absolutely taken our child to the drug houses to get his drugs um i mean it's a, it's a great factor he 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 knows the life he will lose if he uses again he loves this life and he will lose it if he uses drugs yeah but we're in counseling you know Again, Jessica, I think you mentioned this and we've not really brought it up yet on the podcast, but like, you know, uh, being vulnerable and trusting your spouse, like it's still six and a half later, years later, and I still have trust issues with him. Um, 
So we're trying to unpack that. <laughs> yeah. He just got access to the bank account. Like I didn't mention stealing thousands of dollars all along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that the trust that is something we're still dealing with. We, I mean, I think that that's normal. Like you went, what, 10 years or something? It was a long time Nine. where he was being dishonest with you. And you haven't even reached that equal mark of like nine years of honesty, nine years, you know, like it's not, it's still in balance. And I found like just yesterday we got into a fight and it's like, I feel like this wouldn't be a big fight if there was some foundation of trust. But like, there's just not, you know, like, so anytime anything happens, it's like, there's nothing for it to stand on. So the world is shit and our relationship is shit. And like, you're lying <laughs> yeah. because that's, the, that's been the, that's been the actual truth for so long that like, even when it's not the truth, that's what I think. And I think it's just normal for us to struggle with that. But so I guess, okay. So I mean, it's a great, like your story has a lot. It's different in that it has a lot before you enter recovery. Mm-hmm. And then after like recovery, it's pretty relatively smooth sailing. Um, so that's where our stories differ a lot. You know, I didn't have a lot of that in the back end. A lot of the things that happened to us happened through the course of recovery. Um, but one other thing I know is that when you have kids, your relationship kind of takes a back burner. So like, where are you today with how you feel like just personally and then like in your relationship and, you know, how are, how, how are you now like dealing with, how are you, how are you staying happy in this? Like, I, I it's something I'm, I'm currently like struggling with too, but like, you know, what is, you know, life is quote unquote normal. What does that look like for you? And like, what does that mean in also like recover the recovery world? Like, I don't know if my question makes sense, but like, how do you manage quote unquote normal life in recovery and, you know, all of the things? Yeah. So I think um, that's like a hard um, answer. Um, I think, so I think, so right now personally i'm doing terribly for many different reasons but i think when when and we've said this before when the chaos of when the chaos stops there's always other things there and so i think so i have my chaos he gets clean i have a child and it was crazy. And then, um, you know, things get good and it's like, oh, you know, we have a two-year-old, like maybe we should try to expand our family. And so we did. And so now, um, my second child is about to turn three. And like, at this point, getting her own snacks, (laughs) she's telling me she's going to the bathroom by herself. So I feel now that I can free myself from taking, from taking years of taking care of him. I still take care of my children, but they're more like, I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. So they're more self-sufficient. And so I can now do more things. Like he's not as anxious watching them because, you know, they're just easier now. And they're very, they love the TV. So even if I go out to dinner with somebody, them being in front of the TV for an hour or two is not going to kill them. It's fine, but he's a great dad. They go to the park, whatever. And so I think just now, 
I'm walking my path and trying to figure out what makes me happy. Um, I have always not wanted to be just a mom. Like I want to be worker, Katie. I want to be friend, Katie. I want to be wife, Katie. Like I want to be all these things other than just a mom. I don't want my identity just to be a mom. So I'm just navigating now to try to find my happiness. Um, I'm still in a, a, a deep hole of sorrow. So working through that um, and trying to figure out with my husband, I have had so much emotional, I'm going to say trauma from just many things that now I'm realizing that my emotional baggage is now playing a significant role in who I am today and in my relationship with my husband and those around me. So it's all good. Our life is good. And now that the chaos has paused and taken just a breath, I can figure out what makes me happy, what brings me joy. And, um, and it's a hard road to navigate, but I'm glad that I'm seeking professional health. I'm so glad I'm on depression medicine um, and all those things. Yeah. So it's I'm hard. Exactly. It's not, I mean, it's, I, you know, I wish it was happy ever after and it is, but like maybe it's just because of the spot I'm personally at. So. Yeah. Well, and like things being overall like happy or calmer in your life doesn't mean it's all like sunshine and rainbows and everything's like wonderful. Like just because you've entered this stage where you guys are long-term recovery and the chaos has stopped, you know, there's still things to like work on. And I, I think that's really, you know, admirable that you are recognizing that and willing to do it because it is hard. And like, that's a lot of like emotional trauma that you said that you've dealt with for years. And then at some point it might be easier to just be like, uh, I'm just going to ignore it. And, you know, just pretend like everything's fine. Um, but you're not doing that. You are like facing it because you know, you got to get to the, like the root of it so that you can have long-term sustained, like happiness and overall, like good quality of life. So good for you for putting in the hard work. Thank you. Yeah, it's difficult. difficult. And I think it's sometimes it's really easy for us to think like in that chaos, like sobriety and recovery. Once we get there, everything's going to be great. And I think I hit this personal personally hit this point where it was like, oh, he's sober, but life is still shit. Like, why? Like, yeah, that's not how this is supposed to work. And so I think I was disappointed by that. But I, I think what you said resonates with me a lot, which is like, you take care of everyone else, and then they get to a good place. And then you're left with like the, all of your things. And that was an unexpected feeling. For me, I thought like, if he's sober, I'm going to be happy. This is like what we, this is what I've been working for, oh, you know, 100%. Like, and that's what was in my brain. And then I was like, oh, he's sober. And I'm like, this is still shit. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> but I think it's, I think, so I think it's good to highlight that, that like, 
you know, obviously sobriety is great and it's a step in the right direction, but it's not the solution to all of your problems. And because one, it's not your problem. And two, um, we contribute to it in our own way. So like, even if they're sober, that doesn't fix us. And I I just thought that that was going to happen. So I think it's important to share that too. But like, obviously we want sobriety and recovery, but it's much more than that. Um, yeah, it's, because it's a family disease and we're part of it you know it's like we're not the ones using and nothing you know but we are part of it and there's a lot of healing that needs to happen so yeah it's like we think of sobriety kind of as the finish line like I just have to make right. it to that point but really it's like kind of a new starting line almost like truly so yes. um, it's the only starting line it's like you can't start until you get there true <laughs> oh that's true that's a good that's point a good point yeah. so as we wrap up uh we did have a question from the community that i thought was you know interesting and it was about like what would you tell your younger self i saw that question <laughs> and i was like oh my god um i probably would have told myself okay so two answers one answer first answer is get out like I um know like respect yourself know who you are like there's no way I should have put up and stayed with how awful he was to me like don't I mean sober messed up or not inactive addiction or not like I understand it's I now understand it's a disease and things like that he was treating me awful And so to my younger self is it's okay to fail. You can get it. You don't have to keep going on this marriage relationship path just because that's what people have been doing. And that's what everybody says you should do. Um, Get out now. (laughs) On the other hand, um, for staying, uh, um, get educated, ask questions, um, keep going. I'm like saying. Um, and I think education and connect with the community. Again, I don't know if our relationship would have gone the way it went, if I wouldn't have met the two of you, if I wouldn't have continued personal counseling and personal healing all throughout this journey. Um, so I think kind of, that's the two things, like I shouldn't have let somebody treat me so poorly for so long. Um, but, but if, but if you're on this path and you're committed and you want to stay in the relationship, get educated, connect with the community. Do not let this shame and the stigma of this disease weigh you down. Like you can get help and thousands of other people are going through this journey too. What about you guys? Fuck it. What, what do you say to your younger selves? We all have different stories. This is the interview for you. No, I'm interested. Um, cut it out. I don't care, but I'm interested. The same as you, I think. I mean, I think a lot of the reasons I stayed, like I, I talked about when we chatted through my story last time, was like not because I wasn't like this like positive thing. It was because I felt like I was the problem. And if I'm the problem in this dysfunctional relationship, how am I ever going to be in a normal relationship? That's why I stayed. So I would just tell myself a lot of the things you just said, like you deserve more, like, you know, just respect yourself, trust yourself. Like, you know, something's wrong and trust that 
it doesn't matter if the other person validates it. If it's wrong for you, it's wrong for you. And I knew that way early. <laughs> I didn't know why, but I knew it. Um, so yeah, I mean, just trust yourself. And then, um, yeah, I mean, if you choose to stay, it's okay too. That's what I want to also say to myself. Like, you don't need to feel shameful for staying. And I did for a while. And, um, you know, it's your choose to stay. It's your, it's your choice to go. And if you choose to stay, like, that's fine. Like, you don't have to justify that to anyone. Um, like, just feel confident in whatever decision you make. Just be confident in yourself. You know, like, you're smart and you know what you're doing. Just trust that. And you'll, you'll make the best decision for yourself. Yeah, I think what I would tell my younger self, honestly, what I'm still telling myself um, kind of relates to what Jessica was saying at the end about, you know, trusting yourself and letting go of fear of judgment and worrying about meeting everyone else's expectations. You know, once we get into my story, like my relationship path is like not really traditional and, you know, that can just kind of weigh on me sometimes more so from the fact of like, what's everyone think about that? And what does that mean? And um, so I just think that that judgment piece for myself, like one judging myself for decisions that I made or didn't make, and then also worrying about judgment from everyone else um, is something that I've always struggled with. Um, and still, you know, I'm trying to work through, but at least I'm like more aware of it now. And then, um, I guess I would have to say something about like letting go of control. Like I can't control everything. I certainly can't control like Jay's recovery. And that sometimes me trying to control that, I think actually hindered things. Like it might've felt at the beginning, like it might've felt in the moment, like, oh, this is helping because it, it got him be clean. And he went to X number of meetings and he called his sponsor because I made him do that. But it was kind of a facade because it wasn't coming from him. And so it didn't last until it got to the point where he was doing the things for himself. So Mm -hmm. like letting go of control, I think is something I would tell my past self and current self. Yeah. This was good. How do you feel now? Good. I'm fine. It's just reality. You know what I mean? It's hard. It's hard to reflect. And, you know, I'm writing, I'm, you know, releasing that blog. Um, so it's hard to reflect on those emotions too, because that was in the moment. Like now I'm recalling, you know, seven years later. Um, those, you know, were in the moment. So some of those um emotions and stories were like very raw. And um, you know, I didn't hold my, <clears throat> hold my tongue or hold my fingers <laughs> while typing. Uh, so some of those stories, um, some of them are doozies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for, uh, giving us the, the story today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you ever see me on the street, I'm always happy to tell too. That's not a lie. Yeah. It's not yeah. a lie. I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I know. And Kimmon's going to listen to this, um, which is fine. <laughs> oh yeah. Forgot about thanks everyone for listening please follow us on boy problems podcast please leave comments share the love uh, and keep coming back
Thanks for spending time with us. We hope this story has helped you better navigate yours. Don't forget to subscribe so we can meet you here next time. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the love by rating or reviewing. Need more support? Join our online community by visiting us at boyproblemspod.com. Whatever you do, keep coming back. We're not licensed professionals. We're here to share our lived experience. So take what resonates and leave what doesn't.